with us in this service. And Susan, I want to tell you that I love you. It was a beautiful service. It was an honoring day. And uh, for those of you that know Dave and Susan, what a great, great blessing this church was to them. I'll talk more about that later. But guys, we love you. And, uh, and uh, we're praying for you, Susan. We'll continue to have you in our prayers. Everyone say, Faith Promise. You guys should have a card like this. How many of you have received a card like this? How many of you have not seen a card like this? Anybody here need a card like this? No one need. This week, I sent you a letter with a, uh, a self-addressed stamped, uh, what's that? Self-addressed stamped envelope inside with the faith promise. She's going to help me. She's just going to come up on here and take over here in just a moment. That's the way it works around here. But uh, you received one of these. I want to talk uh, today. Last week I talked about five reasons why we are doing a multi-site church. I talked about five reasons. I'm going to talk about five more reasons today. And then next week I'm going to bring all ten together. I want to talk about these. The first reason I'm going to talk about is that the multi-site campus gives us the opportunity to be both large and a small congregation. We will have both the old and the new. Everyone say old. old. Everyone say new. new. We're going to have both old and new. There are a group of people that want to be at this campus. When we broke up into two different teams in our dream team meeting on a Sunday night a couple of weeks ago, we had a group of people that were committing to the 9 o'clock campus, and we had a group of people committed to the 1030 campus. And I just kind of looked and saw who was in the rooms, and, and I've already heard expressed to me from people that they like this campus. And I love this campus, and I'm grateful for this campus. But the day that we bought this facility, I knew that this wasn't our final resting place. The Lord was very clear to me. I'm the leader, and uh, God has birthed this church in my heart and given me a vision for the city. And in order to reach a city, you have to have lots of venues, and you have to have lots of opportunities for people to find room in your congregation. From the day we moved in, we were over 80% full. We were in two services from the very first Sunday. And so I just want to encourage you. We're going to have a great opportunity. But just because you stay on this campus doesn't mean that you don't get to help support the new campus. Because you're going to be part of a church planting team. You're going to be sending out some of your fellow parishioners in the second and third service. You're going to be sending them out to start a new campus. Uh, there are churches in the church growth world, and I want to bore you with details, but to start with a facility under 300 that would seat under 300 people would never happen because you limit your ability to reach that community. So we're going to have both old and new. The second thing is a multi-site strategy, multi-site strategy is more fiscally responsible for growth than building a huge building. I talked about that last week, but this is a huge deal. It's a really, really big deal. It's the most feasible way for us to, in one, one, one service, add almost 500 people on a Sunday morning. It's the most effective way to train up new leaders. When we launch out, we are literally we're going to be launching a new church. And what happens is, is that there's new opportunities for people to minister, to step up in their giftings. Pastor Glenn's going to have to release some of his responsibilities. I'm going to have to release some of my responsibilities. We're going to be training up new leaders to work in different areas. Put the next slide up. All right. It's just modeled in the Bible. Let's look at Acts chapter 9, verse 31. The Bible says, Then the churches throughout all Judea. Everyone say Judea. Judea. Everyone say Galilee. Galilee. And Samaria, Samaria. Had peace and were edified. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Do you know how these churches started? 
All these churches were one church that came out of the city of Jerusalem. Do you know that? Every single one of those churches that we just read about right there in Acts chapter 9 came out of one church that was in the city of Jerusalem. And God finally said, okay, guys, you've had a long enough Holy Ghost party here. You're going to have to go out and reach your world. And God began to send them out to the uttermost parts of the earth. There were one church in multiple cities back in the day of the book of Acts. Who knows what the Lord will do in our church. And the fifth reason is that it's just a God thing. Everyone say God thing. Some of you are on my personal email list. And last night, way late last night, the Lord just spoke this into my heart. Isaiah chapter 54. And it was a prophetic word on a Saturday night purity that we received almost two years ago. Many of you know for many, many years we did a Saturday night prayer meeting. And about two years ago on a Saturday night prayer, God just spoke prophetically. There was a word of the Lord came forth. And it was this passage, Isaiah chapter 54. And it talked about enlarging our tents and strengthening our stakes. And, and God spoke that to our hearts. And the next, the very next Saturday night, Pastor Dave brought this yellow tent stake. And he had the scripture verse inscribed on it. And we took that stake and we declared it that night. And we knew then that God was going to do something new in our church. That he was going to cause us to stretch out wide. One of the passages says to go to the east and to the west or to the left and to the right. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. We're not doing this because this is a good idea. We're doing this because this is a God idea. And I believe in the power of God's word. I believe God still speaks. He's a God who is not deaf. He's a God who hears. And he's a God who still speaks to his children. So those are five reasons why we're going to be doing multi-site. Next week, you're going to come back, and you're going to get to hear all ten put together in one time. And everyone said amen. Amen. All right. Take your Bibles this morning. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture. Everyone say two. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture. The first one is found in Hebrews and I think I have it right there in your notes, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 24, and then we're going to turn over to the book of Acts. If you don't know where a book of the Bible is, there's nothing wrong, and I want you to bring your Bibles, because we read the Bible here, we believe the Bible, we preach the Bible, we do our very best to live the Bible, although we all fall short of it. It is our goal and our desire to know God, because the only way that you can really know God You can never truly know who God is apart through the revelation that He's given us of Himself and His Word. So we believe this book. This is a God-inspired book. He spoke through holy prophets of old. And they wrote down what God spoke to them. And these have been left for generations and passed on. And today in the Christian church, we know the truth of who God is because He's revealed Himself through His Word. So bring your Bibles. Bring your Bibles every Sunday. Hebrews chapter 10 verse number 24. And then we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 24. And the Bible says, And let us, everyone say "Let let us, consider, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us consider that for a moment. Let us consider how we can motivate, challenge, encourage one another towards what? Love and good deeds. Everyone say one another. This phrase one another is used 71 times in the Bible. 
21 times in the New Testament, one another, the phrase one another, is used as a direct command to, be, to believers in the way that they are to act and to respond and to relate to other people. 21 times. Let us consider, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, look at verse number 25 with me. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 42 through 47. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And the Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is what the church did. This is how they acted. This is what they were doing in community and relationship. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to one another as they had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading and the proclamation of His Word today. I want you to get this big idea. If you don't get anything today, I want you to get this big idea. Moving people towards a growing relationship with Jesus Christ by establishing healthy friendships, praying for one another, studying the Bible, and just doing life together in Christian community. That's the goal of getting connected in a small group. That's my big idea. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, this is God's desire for every person in this room this morning. You know, there's a concept that psychologists have developed called failure to thrive. Failure to thrive syndrome. In 1989, in Romania, there were 150,000 Romanian children that were stuck in orphanages. And these orphanages were full of children, little tiny babies, who literally had one person per 20 babies. One adult caretaker per 20 babies. Sometimes there would be 30 babies or 40 babies. And if the babies got changed and actually got something to eat, it was a miracle. And when, after uh, Ceausescu, after he, after he actually was killed by his own people and the country liberated itself from communism, the Western world went into that country and they saw the most deplorable conditions of these little tiny children. And what they saw were children that were literally, they were literally 10% the size and the weight that they were supposed to be for their age. They, had this, they had this syndrome, failure to thrive. And they died literally by the tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. You know what the problem was? They never, never had anyone to care for them. They had never had anyone to hold them, to hug them, to tell them that they loved them. Our church, our church is a, an attractional church. We have reached hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. We figured it out the other day, over the last seven years since we've been here, we've baptized almost 500 people in this city. Come on, let's give God a great big hand. I was talking to another 
pastor, I was talking to another pastor in this city. And he said, there are churches that are 100 years old that have never baptized 50 people in their whole longevity. God has done something special here. But what I've also seen is that many people who've gotten baptized in the pools of baptism, they've never got connected in community and relationship with other believers. And when, as a person who wants to be a person of faith, when they fail to connect with other people in the Christian community, they will fail to thrive and they won't survive and they'll die. It's not that people go to other churches. People just stop attending churches. This morning in this first service, I, I want to introduce to you a very good friend of mine, a person who came to this church several years ago on a Christmas Eve service for the very first time. And the Holy Spirit was working in his life at that time. And he made a decision that night that he was going to be a follower of God. God had worked in his life in the past, but he was recommitted himself to the purposes of God. And I remember that night, because I remember that night because it was one of the worst Christmas Eve services that I'd ever, I could, I'd ever seen, I felt like. And at the end, when I gave an altar call, this one person raised their hand. And I knew then that it wasn't about me, and it wasn't about how it looked, but about what, it was what the Holy Spirit was doing in the hearts of people. I want to welcome Roger Sobel to the City Church stage. Let's give him a great big hand this morning. Everybody, Amen. I'm going to let you hold this mic. It's a dangerous thing, but we're going to let you hold that there. Come on over and have a seat. Amen. Sheriff with the mic. All right. We like that. Not a gun, but a mic. Well, Roger, yesterday was, uh, it was a very moving day in our life, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Very, very moving day. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about your experience here at City Church and and uh, you're part of a small group. Why don't you tell us about that small group? Tell us the name of that small group and, and what's happened in your life over the last several years have you gotten connected to your small group? You've got to hold the mic right up to your face. I belong there. to the Band of Brothers. Okay. So we have a small group here called Band of Brothers. Yes, and we formed following the uh, uh, Promise Keepers event okay. that was held in Jacksonville. Tell us about your group. What's your group look like? Tell us about the... The, the dynamics of your group? Well, our group consists of members from 20 to 64. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you got a wide variation of age groups in your group. We are open to a very diverse uh, Tell us group. some of the things that you do in your group. We meet once a month, and we usually watch a, a, a video uh, and then afterwards, we discuss it amongst ourselves and see how it applies to each of us and, uh, and uh, how we can better uh, ourselves. Uh, we also have a camp out twice a year, and, uh, which we invite others to, to join us. And you, you guys have a great time with the campouts. I see the pictures. They we, look like a lot do. of fun. We do. We Talk really to us about the community forward. that's taking place over the last couple of years and the connectivity between the guys in your group? Well, we have, uh, we're pretty close. We're pretty close. Uh, we, uh, we just, we are brothers to each other and uh, we uh, are available if, uh, to each other if, if needed. Uh, we just uh, are, are striving to be better men. Talk to us. Talk to me about what happened this weekend and kind of the journey that you guys, as a group, have experienced this last year with uh, with uh, Dave. Well, Dave was one of our founding members. 
he had attended the uh, Jacksonville event with us. And Dave and I just sort of had an affinity. We were just kind of drawn together as uh, as good friends. Uh, Dave was probably my best friend in in Florida and in, in existence. You guys had a today. special relationship yes, with that, right? Uh, we in, we enjoyed some of the same things. Uh, there are thoughts, you know, and feelings about family. The uh, some Dave was a uh, man that worked with his hands. Uh, I myself in the past I've I've worked with my hands and I I still enjoy doing things of that nature. So talk to me about this last year. Dave was diagnosed with cancer. Tell us how that affected your group and some of the things that you guys did. Well, it affected our group because Dave was such a faithful member of our group. Uh, to to have a uh, Band of Brothers meeting without him was uh, unheard of. I think he, during preceding the time of his illness, I don't think he missed but one meeting. Uh, he was he was very faithful, and <clears throat> he's just uh, created a, a large void in our in our group. Yeah. Talk about some of the things that happened. Some of the some of the things that you guys did as a group. Well, we as a group we went. The first time that Dave went into the hospital, we actually moved our meeting to his hospital room. Went to his hospital room. Yes. I, you know what? And I never even was able to make it down. And so the band of brothers were actually the ones that went down and ministered to Dave because he was yes. in relationship with you guys. Yes. Over the last year, lots of other things. I, I, I'm trying to steer you here because I know lots of things that have happened as a church. But as a church family, uh, we helped Dave and Susan with the vehicle repair. Your band of brothers was responsible. I remember the guys came to me and said, hey, Dave needs to get, get his truck fixed. And, uh, and it was because Dave was part of this group that you guys came together and some people helped to make that happen. I know that other things have, other things have taken place because of when you're sick and not able to work and your band of brothers came alongside and was able to help support and to be an encouragement to him. That never would have happened if Dave wouldn't have been part of that group. Isn't that true? Talk That's to us, true. Talk to us about the funeral yesterday and, and, the, and what you sensed and felt happened. It was, it was a very, very touching service. It, uh, I, was, uh, I was very uh, pleased at the response that, uh, of the, the people that came out. Uh, it, was, it was moving. The guys stepped up, and you guys made that day happen yesterday, and I want to say thanks. And, you know, the thing that happens in a small group like this, the thing that happens is that, and I believe that every person, every person, you heard, you heard Roger say a couple of things. One of the things that happened is that because Dave was part of that group, when Dave had a need, there were people who came alongside and ministered to him. So many people will attend a local church and they'll go for a little while and, and they never take the initiative to get connected. And, you know, sometimes we feel like, uh, you know, somebody else would do it and we should do it. And that's why we're making a day like today possible so that you can get connected. But when you have a crisis in your life and you have a moment in your life and there is a great need and you're not connected with a group of believers, you might not have anybody there. And the reason that Dave had someone there, the reason that Dave had someone there is because he was connected. He was accountable. 
When you attend a small group and you're part of a community of believers, you make yourself accountable. And there's something powerful about that. We all need accountability. We need accountability to be exactly what we read in that verse in Hebrews, to spur one another towards love and good deeds. And, and when you're connected in a small group, you're accountable to be part of a Christian community where you can grow spiritually, where you can study the Bible. You guys, every I know once a month in your meeting, you guys have some part in there where you study the Bible together and you talk about the Christian faith and you talk about how it applies and works in your life. And so those dynamics and, and things take place. The second thing that happens is that every person, every person needs to belong. Everyone say belong. belong. When you become part of a small group, you belong to a group of other people and you develop friendships. The Bible says if you want to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. If you want to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. And so when you're part of a small group, you, be, you become friends with other people. And I tell you, the most precious thing in your life, the most precious thing in your life is healthy relationships and long-term friendships. Long-term friendships. A friend, my friend, my good friend for 27 years, Jack Loman, right now is, is a dying with Lou Gehrig's disease. He's been one of my very best friends. 20, I can't even tell you how I feel about that. But I got a call this week, and his family is trying to plan a trip to Orlando. And, and I, you know, as he, I was talking to them about the trip and some of the details. I realized how special long-term relationships. My friend Jack now can only move one hand, and he texts with his iPad, and he texts me the other day, and he said, Eugene, you're one of my very best friends in the world. When someone says that about you, and they're in the last stages of their life, uh, it does something in your heart. And it's not only that you need friends, you need to be a friend to someone else. That's how friendship happens. You need to belong. Someone asked me last night, well, Pastor Eugene, what small group are you a part of? I said, I have lots of small groups. I meet every Tuesday morning with Pastor Glenn and, and the staff and Christina and Janet and Tom and Dan. And there's a group of us. And, and, we, and our small group, our small group makes this church happen. Our small group makes it so that you have a place to come and worship God on a Sunday morning. I have a once a month small group. Three brothers that I meet with, and we talk about the finances, and we talk about the direction of the church. You might not think that that's spiritual, but let me tell you, when there's not enough money in that church checkbook, it gets real spiritual in that room. <laughs> Everyone here, you must belong. You must belong. And the last thing is care. Everyone say care. care. <sighs> you want someone to care for you in your time of need. Care for someone in their time of need. Care for someone in their time of need. You see, you can develop relationships out there, and there's nothing wrong because we're called to be witnesses and evangelists. We're called to share our faith in the community. But you must be part of a Christian community where you're sharing and doing life together. The other day, I'm not trying to embarrass Susan, but I want you to know this church, we demonstrated love to that family. Susan's family was there yesterday. Her kids were there, her grandparents and her sisters and extended family. One of Susan's sisters came to me and said, David always talked about his band of brothers. He always talked about the church and what it meant to him. See, that was a witness. And yesterday I stood and I declared at the memorial service for Dave that heaven was real. And I gave an invitation for people to receive Christ. And let me tell you, it was because there was a group of people who cared. 
Because when Dave came to this church, he wasn't sure about his relationship with God. But he went with a group of brothers. He had a brother that cared. Took him to Jacksonville and went to a Promise Keeper rally. And at that Promise Keeper rally, his life was changed. David used to drive around with a bumper sticker on the back of his car. It says, I love my wife. He got that at the, bump, at the Promise Keeper rally. Kip told me yesterday, all the other guys had taken that off the car. But Dave still had that on there. How did that happen? How did a man get that kind of commitment? A man who was out there just living life comes into a local church and he experiences the care and the love that takes place in a community believer and his life has changed. You know, we have a group of tables that are out there and there's all kinds of small groups. There's sports. There's a golf small group. There's someone mentioned a hunting small group. There's Bible studies. There's women's group, men's groups. There's all kinds of small groups. I would just encourage you today, even if you don't think you're going to be a part, check it out. Just check it out. Walk around. Meet some new people. Think about some of the things that I said. Are you looking for a friend? Are you looking to be a friend? If you're looking for a friendship, be a friend. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for your grace. We thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the model that you demonstrated to us through the book of Acts. And the words of encouragement through the writer of Hebrews. That we were to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Thank you for my friend Roger here. For the work that you've done in his life. And Father, for the work that took place even this weekend. As we saw the band of brothers come together as we buried one of our own. And God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for the witness and the testimony in this community, in this city that this church is because there's a group of people who are loving one another and spurt one another on towards good deeds. Bless your people today in your wonderful name. Amen. I want to have us all stand together and we can go out the side doors, the back doors, but I encourage you, make your way around. If you see a group that has any interest to you, sign up. That small group leader, 